Oh, wait, what, what, Brian is doing something. What is Brian doing? Misa Chacha uh, Binks, you are listening to Behind the Lens. Yes, and of course, of all, uh, of all Mondays, beyond that of, of May the 4th, being the Star Wars Celebration Weekend, we, of course, cannot leave Jar Jar out of the mix. You see that I'm always 100 hands everywhere else. I forgot about my Jar Jar today. <sighs> so I apologize to Jar Jar and... And to the listeners. And the listeners. But for those of you who are listening, welcome, welcome to another another week of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens. And you can find me 24, 24-7 in o- online and in print publications in the U.S. and overseas. Um, but every Monday, you'll find me right here on Adrenaline Radio, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, doing Behind the Lens. And, of course, my trusty sidekick, Brian, is here today, and now he's, like, playing on social media on Twitter, probably retweeting that we're live on the air now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are live, and uh, if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, thank you for downloading the podcast as well. Or going to iTunes. Yeah, or streaming it. However you consume this program, uh, Debbie is appreciative of it. So are you, because it keeps you employed, too. Yeah, it does. (laughs) I need need my uh, routine Disneyland trips. Well, you know, and this is this is a this is a show I have been looking forward to this show trying to trying to coordinate some a the schedule of a young man. Uh many of you may may remember Joshua Rush. Joshua was here last year uh for his feature film Breakpoint in which he uh, starred with Dave Walden and Jeremy Sisto. Joshua is now back because he is now one of the young stars of Disney Channel's new New show, Andy Mack. Uh, it airs every Friday night on Disney. It's also available on all the Disney di- uh, digital platforms. But I'm very excited. You heard earlier um, exclusive excerpts of my interview with the creators of Andy Mack and writers, um, <clears throat> Terry Minsky and Michelle Manning. But today we're going to hear from Joshua, who plays Cyrus Goodman. Joshua is going to join us live at the half hour mark. I'm very, very excited about that. And, but until then, we got a bunch of stuff to cover here, don't we, Brian? Yeah, that we do. Uh, Well, I think we should start with the big announcement first. Sure. The big announcement, which we just got not two minutes before going on air. All of our regular listeners, you know, we are a huge supporter of Stage LA, which has been the longest running uh, annual AIDS fundraiser in the entire world, not not in California, not in the United States, in the entire world. Their 33rd year, their performance on May 13th marks their 33rd year. Our beloved friend, Carol Cook, has participated in all but two. Um, we've just gotten word this will be the final, this will be the finale for Stage L.A., uh, and their fundraisers. So I can't encourage everybody enough to, you know, buy tickets. If you're in the Los Angeles area, it's playing. The show will be at the Saban Theater in Beverly Hills on May 13th. You can go to Stage LA, uh, and I can't remember if it's .com or .org, but if you just Google Stage LA, it'll take you right to the website. You can buy tickets. The show is always phenomenal. Uh, the theme this year is idols and icons and of course carol will be performing jake simpson will be performing this uh this year jake has been on our show before um also this year will be dale christian who played christine for four years in phantom of the opera at the music center and tony nominee bill hutton uh who was in the very first show and subsequent ones so this is going to be a huge huge uh gala and fundraiser and I guarantee if you haven't seen one of these benefit shows, you couldn't put your – it is so worthwhile. Your money will be so well spent, and you will leave with a smile on your face, uh, a song in your heart, and dancing as you, as you leave the theater. So, th- wow. 
Um, huge thanks to Scott Barton, who's one of the producers and uh, the publicist for Stage LA, uh, for letting us know that and giving us um, this exclusive. So you'll be hearing more about Stage as we count down to May 13th. But that was uh, that was the big news, big breaking news this morning. Not as sad as when we broke Robert Osborne's passing, but still to say goodbye to this fundraiser. There have been incredible talents over the years and incredible performances. So I personally am very anxious to see this one on May 13th, and I hope all of you will too. So please um, Google it, Stage LA, and uh, if you're in the LA area on May 13th, spend your money. It goes to a worthwhile cause, and you'll be entertained at the same time. So now on to, shall we go to, to move on to your favorite subject, Brian? Sure. And Food. Wh- no, not food. Oh. Your other favorite subject. Oh, Star Wars. Star. I mean, we still are in the Star Wars celebration weekend. Yes, um, which is strange that they never do it around the May, the month of May with the 4th coming up. But I, I enjoy that it's, it, you know what, what sucks about it is that Los Angeles gets everything. But except for, this. Except this. <laughs> Because <laughs> when I saw when I saw tickets go up for sale, I was like, "Oh, Orange County, that's right up the the freeway from me." But no, it's Orange County, Florida. Yeah. So it's uh, it's still up the freeway, but just a little it's, bit more. It's a little further. A little further than I was hoping to travel. It's like taking the ten all the way across the country. Yeah, that's all I'd have to do. Yeah. That's it. What is that like? Twenty minutes? No, it, it's a well. You know, the traffic on most of the ten is a lot easier than traffic in L.A. Let yeah. me tell you, because I've traveled that route before. I've always wanted well. Uh, we'll say that for our cross-country podcast. That's but, true. Uh, the most exciting thing about what occurred that night or that morning. Over the weekend. Over that convention was. <laughs> we got new f- footage. We got footage. We have a teaser trailer. And teasers are just what they call them, teasers. You want more footage. You get to hear Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill himself. Asking Ray, what do you see? And she sees light and darkness. The the poster dropped about five seconds after the trailer. Yeah. And I posted it on my own social media as well as on nothing in particular, my podcast. That poster is already iconic. Yeah. It's already an iconic image. And of, that's a teaser poster. It, it it is. And of course when it when the official not the official, but when the when the one that, that's gonna be broadcasting the movie comes out, it's gonna be more Character driven, the of way course. that we had the Force Awakens. We it have... might, or it might not. No, well, if you look at all the other posters, like with well, the Empire Strike, Backs, you never know. I hope that they put all because I want more Kylo Ren merchandise. But this poster was already cool because it features a masks list Kylo Ren. Yes, um, which I think is cool because the thing that I loved about Darth Vader was we never got to see his face up until the final fi- film of the mm-hmm. trilogy, the original trilogy. But this one, it already shows you the evil behind 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 the mask. The mask. And even in the trailer, you get to see it. Well, and because you have to remember that once Darth Vader's mask was removed and he was revealed, there was no evil. It was the good. Yeah. So I've had conflicts. I've had uh, discussions with with another host, James Law Jr., about he's still evil. There was no redemption at the end of that. He still killed all those people, even if if he thinks that he's redeemed. That's another podcast, but... uh, (laughs) The Last Jedi. We've already f- <laughs> here's here's a trace back. We've already found out that it's plural, so it's je- Sing- singular or plural. It's it's the Last Jedi. So because yeah. you can't say Jedi's. It's like right. Lego. You can't say Legos. That, right. That doesn't exist. It's Lego. Yeah. So it's Jedi. So there's more than one Jedi. So he's not just speaking specifically of, about himself. But if we can play the last uh, audio clip here of the, it's time for the Jedi to end. Okay. That doesn't leave you with a lot of confidence. It does not. Mark Hamill's still in his teenage angst. He still wants to go hang out in the town with his friends instead but, of But, no you know, kid. what could it mean? Well, I, I, I'd like to throw this speculation out there. And when this is correct, you all can come back and look at April 17th, 2017 <laughs> podcast. But Ray is evil. She is, she, is, she is too young and she is too naive. Yeah. She will turn out to be uh, the evil. No. And then, and then Kylo will have a redemption moment where he comes back. Because let's face it, we love... Oh, well, spoiler alert. Hang on. Let me give you five seconds here to tune out if you haven't seen The Force Awakens. But I, I don't think... 
I mean, Han Solo was kind of a kind of a bad character, right? I mean, he wasn't a good guy, but he wasn't a bad guy. He was very neutral. That's what I enjoyed about him. He's not. He's in it for himself. But I mean, did Kylo Ren really do anything bad by taking him out? Like, he's a bad character. I don't know. Well, yeah, he killed him in cold blood or cold laser or whatever it is. Yeah, cold laser. Well, warm laser. That scene. That scene still to this day is still beautifully shot. It is. Uh, but um, you heard it here first. Exclusive. Ray will turn out to be. I don't think the so. Dark side. I don't think so, especially with Carrie Fisher being gone. There, you have to have a strong female protagonist. Uh, I do like that character that they that they introduced at the at the start at the convention. I should have had all this pulled up, but um, she looked like an interesting character. They, yeah, they divulged more into that story. Uh, no, no Han Solo film stuff came out. At least not not at the top of it. It was all dominated by the yep. by the Last Jedi. Of course. Han Solo himself has been at the convention over the weekend. Was he there? Oh yeah, Harrison Ford was I, there. I, I, oh yeah, he they was did there, an yeah. entire tribute to Carrie Fisher. Yeah, and then he was there with George Lucas, Mark Hamill, and there's some beautiful pictures of George, Mark, Harrison, and Carrie's daughter Billy Lord. Did, so, did his did his dog did her dog show up? I don't know. If, I heard rumors Gary Fisher was there. There's there's a quote that I that I pulled aside specifically because I knew that we were going to be talking about this that that Mark Hamill speaking about Carrie Fisher that that I I just I fell in love with as soon as uh, I saw it it's him speaking I I forget what the question was asked but he goes it could be very easy to be consumed by grief but let me tell you when I go to sleep at night there's never a day so far when I don't think of Carrie Fisher and when I think of her and I hope you can appreciate this mental image she's looking down from the c- celestial stratosphere. With those big brown eyes and that sly smile on her face. And she lovingly extends me the middle finger. <laughs> and that's how I want you to think of her. That was Carrie. <laughs> when asked about her. And I think that that was uh, one of the most beautiful yeah. things that he could have said. Well, of, of, of his former, you know, not friend and co-star. Yeah. Well, you know, and I also have to say that since we weren't here last week due to an emergency scheduling conflict, um... We didn't get to do a TCM wrap-up and talk about TCM, but one of the highlights for me at TCM was on the opening night red carpet, I got to interview Todd Fisher, and he talked about not only his mother, but more importantly, about his sister, Carrie Fisher, and, you know, what she is to little girls, what she has become, quote-unquote, to the galaxy, And anybody that wants to see that interview, uh, plus for all you classic film fans, there are 11 more up there. Diane Baker, Lee Grant, uh, Eddie Muller, uh, the Czar of Noir. Um, Who else do I have up there? Oh, Ruta Lee. Um, Just bunches. Oh, Sarah Karloff, Boris Karloff's daughter. And Suzanne Lloyd, Harold Lloyd's granddaughter. Uh, And for all of you Harold Lloyd fans got the tidbit from Suzanne that she just as president of Harold Lloyd Entertainment she just signed a deal where Harold Lloyd is now going to become an animated feature so that should that's going to be really interesting to see when that comes to fruition but uh, the deal is done Uh, apparently uh, all the players are in place so we'll see what happens with that but yeah to hear more about Carrie Fisher Definitely. You can go to my website, moviesharkdeblore.com, or look for Behind the Lens on YouTube. Uh, and my interview with Todd is up there. And trust me, it was, it really was. Sean, my cameraman, Sean Spindler, said that out of all the interviews he shot, that was his favorite. You know, I was at a local auto shop on Friday, mm-hmm. and, I, and I texted you this, and you were like, what are you talking about? Um, because oh, I, last Friday. Yeah, well, the Friday before the show that during that, TCM. That, yeah, yeah, you were you were in the background in a several shots. Um, it, it was a lot of them, and for some reason, like, because okay, I, I got a new phone uh-huh. because that old phone. Every time I try to load something up, it wouldn't load up for me to take photos, or else I would have sent you a snapshot of you standing in the background of TCM Film Festival. But I I thought it was funny how you know. I mean, obviously, you were going to be there. I never doubted it, but it was funny to see you there. You know, it was like, oh, there she is. Like, oh, and there she is again. Like, you were just you were just there in every almost every single shot. Oh, my. Where they would cut out of something, and then they'd go to another And image, there I am. And there you are again. 
and you were just in the background. Um, you were you were speaking amongst other an, a group of people. It was at the hand and footprint ceremony. It was at the hand and footprints and for ceremony. the which was a stunning ceremony, and I've got plenty of pictures of that uh, and the a feature piece on that as well. Uh, Billy Crystal spoke as uh, Rob Reiner and Carl Reiner, the very first father son duo to have their hand and footprints cemented at the Chinese theater. Yeah, it was it was very cool to see them and uh my my girlfriend she got all teary-eyed when they're like, "Oh, look, they have a little step for him so he can get on his knees." And I was like, "Well, they have that for everybody." Yeah, that's what I told her, but she she was very emotional about seeing uh, an older gentleman being treated but, with such respect. But uh yeah, Tom Bergeron, who is a dear friend of theirs, he gave he spoke and then Billy Crystal though was a total cut-up. I love Billy Crystal. He was fabulous, you know. But then Rob and Carl were just and the crowds, the crowds outside the Chinese theater on the because, you know, the courtyard is, is closed off for the guests, the press. But then and then one side of the bleachers, uh, they bring fans in. But then people crowd out on the street just to hear it. They can't see anything, but just to hear it. But this was a really special one uh, for me. I think this one was almost as special as when Jane Fonda got. Uh, did her hand and footprint ceremony there. And then afterwards, the Chinese theater placed her cement block right next to her father's. Uh, and I think, and they are the only father-daughter duo there. But this is the first time that we had a father-son together. You know, um, here is for all the, I have a, I have two questions for you. Yes. Or I have one quote and then one question. Not quote, but a statement. Yes. Uh, as someone who lives in Los Angeles and has never really traveled to Hollywood... If you if you're gonna make the trip out to Hollywood and you're listening to this from another part of the country, uh, the the things that are just in front of the Chinese theater aren't the only ones that are that are on display. You have to continue walking through the back to see some of the other ones because that was my first initial mistake when I first went there was not finding the ones that I was looking uh-huh. for. They and, actually rotate some of the cement out. Yeah, they do that too. Yeah. So, I mean, is there a calendar? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't, know. I don't know. I really don't know how they decide what, who, and what, and when to rotate. Okay. But they do. But yeah, it, the the hand and footprints are always a, a big, big thing. They're fun. They're fun, and the ceremonies for them, especially when you get legends like a Carl Reiner. You know, I was there the year that Peter O'Toole, and wow. of course, then he passed away not too long after. Uh, and you see, you know, unfortunately, we wait so long to honor so many of these legends that now it's like catch up. And this is something that uh, was discussed. Uh, before the festival, the TCM festival started at a press conference with uh, Jennifer Dorian, the general manager of TCM, Jennifer uh, Genevieve McGillicuddy, the festival director, and Charlie Tabish, who is the programmer for the festival and for TCM. And uh, Charlie was actually asked, what is your get list? The way people pass away, uh, as quickly as they're starting to pass away, what is the great get list? for bringing uh, celebrities because this festival opening night brought in Sidney Poitier, Lee Grant. Sidney Poitier, I think he's 90. Uh, and it was for In the Heat of the Night, the the 50th anniversary of In the Heat of the Night. So, you know, at the top, obviously at the top of the get, of the TCM get list at this point is Doris Day. Olivia de Havilland, yes, the world would love Olivia de Havilland there, but she is not leaving Paris. They t- they tried. They came really close a couple years ago. Well, you know, cement travels. Well, doesn't necessarily have to be in front of the theater. Well, no, they want her to like to come and introduce a film during the festival and things like that. Did you meet up with the uh, the fun crew that was on? Of course. The phone. How'd that go? Oh, that was fabulous. We saw each other on Wednesday. Uh, we met up before the press conference, and then we were in in lines together watching films. Uh, one of the great glories that we all saw together was, and for those of you who are just tuning in, if you want to hear a fun show, go back and listen to our April 3rd show when my guests were Paula Guthat, Aurora Desmond, Kelly Pratt, and who else did we have? Kristen Lopez. Yeah. So... I mean, and we just ha- all had, as usual, the best time at the festival, and particularly when we hooked up on Saturday night for the ni- for the screening of the Black Narcissus, uh, considered possibly to be the most beautiful Technicolor film of all time, and it was a nitrate print. It was a restored nitrate print, 
And this was a big part of the festival this year. Uh, for the first time, they brought in preservationists and restorationists to talk about the art of preservation, the art of restoration. And one of the big thrills this year was the fact there were five nitrate films. The Egyptian theater now has, it's been totally retrofitted thanks to the HFPA, the Hollywood Foreign Press. And yes, I will say it, probably the best thing they've ever done. Um, they helped fund in partnership with TCM and others a complete retrofitting of the projection booth because nitrate film, for those that don't know, it is highly flammable. It is combustible. Well, we saw, if, if anyone's ever seen Inglorious Bastards, then you, you see how how flammable. They have a little scene where they light the, the film on fire. Yes. Yeah, it's quick. But uh, nitrate, but the, the beauty of, of nitrate film, when it gets restored, is because there's a, there are actually silver uh, halide crystals on what, coating on one side of the film strips. And that is what, when you watch it, it gives it a little sparkle and a little twinkle. And they sh the at the festival, there was Laura with a brand new nitrate rest uh, restored print, which is in black and white. That is perhaps the most gloriously shot black and white. And they're countering that for, uh, with color for the black narcissus. Absolutely gorgeous. And then, of course, Film Foundation, which was founded by Martin Scorsese, together with the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, they brought in uh, and supplied Beat the Devil, America, America, and the front page as well. So, wonderful restorations. But getting to talk to the people who actually work with preservation and restoration. As many of you know, I'm involved with uh, the digital archive preservation with Broadcast Pioneers, uh, preserving early television. In, in Philadelphia. Uh, film is just as important. And yes, yes, I am involved with that too in a charitable way. But I had a chance during uh, the press conference, actually had a chance. Which one, which one do I have here to bring up first? We Brian? have uh, nitrate. Okay, well, we're going to... Speaking of it. Speaking of nitrate, we're going to jump right into Randy Haberkamp, who's the managing director of of Preservation and Foundation at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, talking about the beauties and dangers of nitrate. Nitrate is uh, a very unique thing that wasn't unique uh, from 1896 all the way through 1952. Um, it was a very unstable and very dangerous and flammable stock but it also produced great results and you know, handled carefully through professional projection was the standard for many years all over the world. So, however, you know, when people just, you know, they get to a point where people say, why are we doing this? Why don't we find something that's a little safer? Why don't we do that? Everybody's always trying to develop. They develop safety film stock and nitrate fell out of use, but it, it still is something that uh, filmmakers love to see projected, especially for films made in that golden 30s, 40s, 50s era, era because that's what it was. The, that's what the filmmakers were using, and they were producing all of their sets and their colors and their shading and their lighting for that medium. So, seeing Laura or Black Narcissus on the original medium on which it was produced for means you're seeing the filmmaker's original vision. And nitrate is also something that holds its, you know, again, if you get the right prints, you get the right, you know, storage, seeing it as close to original is what TCM is trying to do with this. Uh, the goal from the Academy's point of view, which matches with TCM, is always to present as close to the original vision as you can. There are reasons, as Dave described with uh, Cinerama and various other things, where that might be having to make a judgment call on what's the best, most unobstructed thing. You can have an original print that's all beat up and it takes you out of the movie because it doesn't look good. You can have a digital print that is really well done 
and it's better than the original print. That's always a judgment call for presenting something like this. But for nitrate, for the people coming from all over the world to Hollywood, cool thing, uh, to see movies, really cool thing, uh, and to be able to see a nitrate print of a 1940s film noir, and to see the, the beautiful color of probably two of the best artisans of use of color uh, you know, in Black Narcissus, um, it's a rare opportunity. It's like going to hear someone sing live uh, instead of listening to a really well-engineered uh, recording that's really great, but there's still that difference in the medium. So that's kind of what Nitrate is about. And like everything else, um, my, my favorite example is I grew up, as I'm sure a lot of you did, watching The Wizard of Oz every year on TV. T. Sam has shown it. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where we all have seen it multiple times. You see it on a big screen, and you see it presented with all the, uh, the CB at the beginning, and all the, it's, it's like you've never seen the film before. Come see Laura, come see Black Narcissus, and you won't have to listen to me discuss it anymore. Uh, however, listening to Randy talk about preservation is something that most of us could do. Any cinephile would be happy to do any day of the week. And Randy talked even more along with Dave Strohmeyer. Dave Strohmeyer is an acclaimed editor, film editor, but his big passion has become restoration and preservation of Cinerama films. Cinerama films uh, started in 1952. Uh, with a, a feature film on September 30th, 1952, called This is Cinerama. It introduced audiences to Cinerama. And the basic premise of Cinerama, it broadens the aspect ratio, and it actually takes, it's, you shoot it with three cameras. Each one shoots one-third of the scene. Then when it is shown, it is shown with all three pieces, you know, put together. So that's why you have an arced screen, so it curves around. And when you watch the video, you're going to see me making all kinds of funny hand motions here, trying to visually describe this for you. Um, but it's typically shot with 35 millimeter. The cameras are interlocked on 27 millimeter lenses, which is about the equivalent of what your fo the uh, focal length is of the human eye. Uh, and when it's projected, it's actually projected from three different projection booths onto this one big screen. But Cinerama changed. Uh, following How the West Was Won, with the uh, invention of Ultra Panavision 70, 70 millimeter, because they needed to shoot How the West Was Won with the 70 millimeter, but it was then printed onto three Cinerama film panels, so that it was shown in Cinerama. For the purest, yes, there is a difference between original Cinerama and 70 millimeter uh, Ultra Panavision. Uh, Cinerama, but to, to most people, you, it's virtually seamless, and you can't really tell the difference in the processing, in the in the filming, and in the processing. But lucky us, we had Dave Strohmeyer at the festival, and I got to ask Dave about restoring because the bulk of Cinerama projects that are being restored are travel logs that used to show before movies, and the coolest things. If you've if you've ever seen any of them, they're fabulous. So I talked to Dave, and Randy chimed in, too, about restoration of Cinerama. You know, why preserve it? It's got, there's a mystique. Uh, it's like a virtual reality time capsule. Uh-oh. And now we're getting a signal here. Uh-oh, should we do this? We have Joshua calling in on the other line. So you know what? We're going to actually take... We're going to take, is, it's Joshua. What is Brian telling him? What is he telling him? I, you know, that, that's the advantage. I have to try and lip read. I'm trying to see what, what he's doing. Because I, oh, we're still talking. Oh, I don't know. Brian's trying to figure out what's going on. Huh? I can't, I can't. Okay. Are we going to? We're being connected. Oh, we're being connected. Okay. Okay. Look, I can sit down and be on the phone too now. Look at that. His publicist Nilda is connecting. I can't hear what you're saying though. Oh. Well, do you want to take a uh, quick commercial break while we get connected here? Why or do you want we me to play the Randy clip? It's because it's a long clip. 
So why don't we just do a very quick commercial break, and hopefully Nilda will have Joshua on the line. All right. All right. Okay, we'll, we'll be right speaking. back. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind, like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind, like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama, like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. That's DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. And welcome back to Behind the Lens. This is Brian and I am the engineer M. A uh, friend of the show, and Debbie Lewis <laughs> is here. <laughs> Brian, a friend of the show. Okay, he's the one that puts this out. All right, so we're going to come back to restoration, film restoration and preservation, because right now we have the fabulous and wonderful Joshua Rush with us. Hello, Joshua. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing pretty great today. So, where are you today in your travels? Are you home? Are you still traveling? I'm here in sunny SoCal, uh, and I'm waiting to find out if we will be going back to Salt Lake City to shoot our next uh, season. <gasps> when? When will you know? We, I mean, there's no, there's no known time frame just yet, but, uh, but we're, all, we're all hoping and waiting to find out. Well, now, you've been traveling, you've been doing radio shows, you've been meeting your fans, talking about this wonderful show, Andy Mack. Definitely. And how have your fans been reacting? I've seen what a lot of them are posting on social media, and from what I can see, they're loving it. I, the, the, uh, the response from fans has been really positive. Our third episode came out just Friday. We've had over 14.4 million views uh, on just the first and second episode alone which aired together so it's been it's been a really exciting reaction and all over social media we've been getting amazing responses oh my god joshua that is those numbers that's fabulous thank you and that doesn't include the tv viewing audience uh that that is the tv okay that's the tv audience oh okay wow Wow, that is amazing. But as everybody on Behind the Lens has already heard, because I've been talking about Andy Mack for a few weeks, um, it is a great show. It is a show that since I don't have cartoons, I want a whole package of episodes so I can sit on the couch with the cats on a Saturday and just watch Andy Mack. I mean, I mean, they're out on iTunes, so I feel like, I mean, that's, that's the way to go for me, binge-watching it. Well, and that's just it, because you watch one, and you and your castmates are all so engaging that you want to see another as soon as you finish the first one. I, I think it's, uh, it's special for Disney, because it is serialized, and it, each episode isn't self-contained. So there is, uh, there is something special about that, and the, the way that that um, keeps you really hooked. It, it, it's really it's made for a binge-watching society. Uh, which is what we are now, and I know I've been watching plenty of things all the time. So, uh, yeah, it's made it's made for that, and uh, but it's also made for television, and everyone viewing it on television so far has pretty much liked it. So we're very happy. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up that this is serialized because over the years, with Disney shows, be it Lizzie McGuire, be it Hannah Montana, um, or even other shows like Saved by the Bell. They were never serialized. Each episode was its own contained standalone. This is Andy Mack. It's not. Andy Mack is serialized, and the story follows through. Indeed it is. It's really, really exciting for us. Um, the, uh, it's, it's one of their first ones, mm-hmm. I think, that is serialized. I'd, I'd have to check and make sure that I'm not wrong on that. 
but I'm pretty sure it is. So, well, for all of our listeners here or, who, or whoever has not read my fabulous interview interview with you that's out, <laughs> did anyone show you that? I, I saw it. I thought your writing was excellent. Well, and you're in print. You know, you're on pa- you got page three this time. Ooh, exciting. In the newspaper. Yeah, you got page three on, you know, the and... I have to give great credit to the newspaper production manager. Rebecca was trying to, to get you a whole page just for you. But be, <laughs> but because there were so many advertisements for Easter and Passover restaurant restaurants, she didn't have the space, so she had to she smushed my review of Richard Gere's new movie Norman. Uh, but he, well, she didn't you know, So you're I'll on the same page. So you're on the same page with that, but when you look at it, you'll see that you're full-size type, but the movie review got smushed <laughs> into little type. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I appreciate it. <laughs> so now, for all of our, our listeners, tell them all about Andy Mack and this wonderful cast that's you, Peyton Elizabeth Lee, who plays Andy Mack, um, Sophia Wiley, who is another one of Andy's BFFs, as you are, Asher Angel, and, of course, Lilan Bowden and Lauren Tom, plus, of course, Stoney Westmoreland. Right. So Andy Mack is about a girl, obviously, whose name is Andy, uh, and her life gets completely turned upside down when her sister comes home from a long time away and reveals a absolutely massive family secret to her. But we're not going to reveal it yet for people that haven't seen the show yet. Right, of course not. We wouldn't want to spoil it, but it is, it is fairly public knowledge now because there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of promos out for it. Well, continue. Talk about working with these wonderful people. Right, yeah. So we shot it in Salt Lake City, and it was pretty amazing to be able to shoot it. Uh, there, uh, getting closer to the end, it got a little bit cold, but overall, it was a pretty incredible shoot experience. Uh, and I love any time that I'm able to get out of town. And I mean, you even mentioned that I'm off, I'm often out of town right now. <laughs> well, you're doing a lot of promotion right now. I am. I am. I'm getting to. I was just in Houston, uh, I, and I got to hit all the uh, all the old local news stations, which was really really fun. Because I mean, I. I Houston's where I got my start, and I still feel like it's my home. But, you know, I live in L.A. now, and I love it here, too. Um, but, yeah, you also hit a lot of restaurants, too. I did. I did. I was uh, I was tweeting back and forth with Whataburger for a while because uh, I, I think it's incredibly imperative that there's a Whataburger franchise open. Okay, now tell me, what is Whataburger? Because I saw all these pictures that you were posting about Whataburger, and I'm thinking, what is Whataburger? based chain of burger restaurants. It's the Texas equivalent of In-N-Out Burger. Oh. There's nothing quite particularly different about Whataburger, but it is, there is an immense sense of pride over it. Oh. There's a lot of customization. You can get a lot of bacon. A lot of bacon. It's Texas. <laughs> you get a lot of bacon. And uh, so I like to get uh, some bacon, some jalapenos on my burger. Um, the it, fries are really good. The fries, you know when you get the fries extra crispy? Oh, yes. In and out? Yeah, so every fry is like that. And I, I want you to know that, that Brian is sitting in the control booth right now, nodding his, up, his head up and down as you're talking about extra crispy fries. I will tell you, uh, Whataburger is... Uh, and it, and it might just be it might just be the home state pride that I get when I think about it. But I'll tell you what, I love me a good Whataburger. <laughs> well, so now now that we've established what Whataburger is and our need for one here in Southern California, let's continue talking about your castmates on Andy Mac and developing this really great <laughs> chemistry you I, have because your character is Cyrus Goodman and a true fashion plate. And a very, very fine, upstanding best friend for anyone to have. Yeah, so Cyrus is quirky. He's fun. He, uh, he's the kind of guy that you really want as your best friend. You know, he's always there for you. He's always ready to kind of take the fall for you. Uh, I mean, and that even shows in the first episode when he 
is willing to take Andy's bike when she's not ready to show her uh, mother the bike. Mm-hmm. That's that's very true, and that's that is being a really good friend. It is, yeah, and I, I think it comes out in a bunch of other moments uh, throughout the season. You can see Cyrus. Uh, Cyrus and Andy very uh, they, they bond very strongly throughout the series, and it and it really shows. Well, and uh, also in the mix is Sophia Wiley, you know, as Buffy. She's right there as as a third part of the triumvirate. Yes, definitely. Uh, Buffy is the third. Wow, that's the first time I've heard the word triumvirate said outside of like the internet. I love that word. It's a great word. I use it at. Any opportunity online, but I've just—I don't know—I've just never heard. It. <laughs> I've never heard it in the real world. Well, um, there would I would I let you down? Would I not want to expand your horizon, Joshua? I mean, I, I wouldn't expect any less of you. Well, I can't. I—you are the one person I would not want to disappoint. Trust me. Thank you. So let's let's hear about our triumvirate. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm one part of it. And uh, the other two parts are Andy and Buffy. Andy is kind of definitely the gang leader. She uh, she's very strong and level-headed. She's uh, she's very cool, and uh, she's also uh, the title the titular character. Titular. Titular. Yes. Uh, titular. Okay. Titular character of the show, and uh, the other part is Buffy uh, Buffy Driscoll, who is hot-headed, and uh, she is. I mean, you know, she's, she's always quick to, to take a reaction. I think you can see one of those uh, quick reactions that she takes very uh, in a very major sense in Episode 5. Uh, so watch out for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Buff comes out, and uh, she whenever whenever someone, someone's having a problem, she always says, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it right now. We're going to make everything work, and it's going to be bad, and that person's going to pay. And Cyrus kind of comes in and says, hey, why don't we make friends with everybody? And Andy kind of comes in and meshes those two together and comes out with a appropriate response. See, I mean... It's, it's, a, it's a very equal kind of group. Yeah, I mean, you're all interdependent. And each one of you, your ideas, you feed off the other one. But I have to say, watching the three of you together on camera is absolutely incredible. Joshua, it is amazing. Thank you. And I'm curious for you, because this is your first series. You've done features and you've done voicing. We're going to talk about some voicing in in a moment here. But, you know, working on a series, this now gives you a chance that you really get to establish a connection and a rapport with your co-stars and have it extend out and grow. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. I, I feel so close the rest of my cast, whether it, whether it's Peyton or Sophia or Asher, I, I think we are all, it's, it's been an incredible casting uh, because not only are we best friends on camera, but we're best friends off. And that's, it, it doesn't happen very often. It yeah. happens very rarely. So I'm, I'm very happy. Because, and on a TV, and on a film, and you you went through this on Breakpoint and, and on Parental Guidance even, I think, you know, you do the film, but then after it's over, it's kind of over. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of times when you say, like, oh, yeah, we're going to keep in touch. And then, you know, sometimes you don't really keep in touch, which which is a shame. And it's kind of just it's a fact of life. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, Bailey Madison is a friend of mine. You and Bailey were on Parental Guidance together. But, you know, you, you're, you've got your, your star rising She's got hers rising and doing, you know, great things as well. So Bailey's been in hasn't she? I've I've checked her story, uh, her Instagram story recently. She, I mean, she's Bailey is just amazing. She's pretty incredible. She was so fun to work with. Yeah, and now you know, here she is. She's on the series herself, doing Good Witch, and you know, so see that that obviously you if you were if. Joshua and Bailey work together. You go and you get a series. So now, since you're working with Peyton, because she's now new to the industry, and Sophia, kind of new to television, you know, maybe they'll get series now. Definitely. You, you could be the linchpin here. You could be the linchpin. Yeah. You know, but now, in between your last visit to Behind the Lens, when we talked about Breakpoint, you have been voicing 
on the Lion Guard. I have. I'm on the Lion Guard, the Adventures of Puss in Boots, uh, Clarence, both of which have recently ended, unfortunately. But uh, And uh, I have a couple of other ones in the works as well that I can't just talk about yet. But Lion Guard is still ongoing, is it not? Oh, yes. Lion Guard were just renewed for our third season. So, now, how is the experience for you doing voice work as opposed to doing a day-in, day-out TV series? I mean, it's really different. It really, really is. Um, something that I've really noticed that, that kind of explains the difference between a voice actor and a theatrical actor, uh, that, that a lot of people, like when I say it, they, they just kind of get it. When, when I get in front of a microphone and I'm told that my character is running, I have to, like, be moving my legs or, like, shaking or actually, like, doing something with my body. Whereas a voice actor, people who do just voice will generally just do it. Mm-hmm. They'll just make their voices sound that way. And I've noticed that that's, like, a parallel with a lot of uh, the actors who do both or do just one. You, you, you notice little differences between the two. And, and I love them both. Mm-hmm. They're both very different, and they're both very different jobs. So what is it, what do you, because you were doing voice acting before you started this, uh, the live action TV series. Right. What about voice acting helps your live action acting and vice versa? I definitely think, because there's an aspect to voice acting that is, you know, you just can't, you can't show the emotion with your eyes. You have to just give the animator something to work with your, with your voice. So I definitely think voice acting has helped me um, be able to display a lot of emotion with my voice and not just with my eyes and with my body. Mm-hmm. So, ha- so now, how how does that work in a show like Andy Mac? Because so often Cyrus is sitting there, responding, you know, to some to something Andy has said or the Sophia said. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Cyrus is uh, is very passive, just kind of as a character and as a person. Uh, he he does end up taking, starting to take some stronger opinions and some stronger roles in some later episodes. Oh, good. Uh, but at this point in the series, he is very passive. Um, but I think I think when when I do give lines, I think I do have the opportunity to um, to really show and display a lot of good emotion. Well, something else that you do with your lines that uh, your series creator, Terry Minsky and Michelle Manning, they've incorporated a lot of Joshua into Cyrus, have they not? It, that's definitely true. One thing about Terry Minsky is not only is she an amazing writer, but she's an incredible observer. Incredible. Like, I would notice things in script, and I would think to myself, wait a minute, d- didn't I say that, like, last week? And, and it would turn out that I had, and I would come up to her and be like, did you just, were you listening to me? And she goes to me, I'm always listening. <laughs> well, you know, I already told you, you know, if she keeps taking your lines, they're going to have to give you a writer's credit here. I know, I know. Where's my spot in the credits? I, I mean, except beyond the part that says Joshua Rush Cyrus. Where's yeah. my spot in the credits? We need the writer credit. That's exactly. what we, Yes. So what have you noticed that Terry has taken that was totally Joshua that she has put into Cyrus? Ah, I, I can't tell you. I can't <gasps> tell you. I can tell you after episode four comes. Oh, so after this Friday. I don't want to start talking because I feel like if there's a single thing that I say, it's going to reveal too much. I don't want to. I want to keep you all in suspense. There's, there was some pretty... Exciting cliffhangers at the end of episode three, so I don't want to say anything that would reveal too much. Oh, well, I, I now I have to follow up and check in here on what is the La Miniatura situation. <laughs> I have just found out something very exciting with La Miniatura, so I've—they are my favorite clothing brand. I'm, I'm wearing one of their shirts right now, so and it's plaid. Down, um, La Miniatura is my favorite clothing brand. I love them to death. Ah. Is, are you wearing a plaid shirt right now, though? It's not plaid. In fact, it's like a um, what's the uh, what's the album cover? Um, I'm trying to. I, I'm, of course, right now I can't think of it. But the minute I get get off the phone with you, I'll think of it. Um, it's like a famous '80s album cover. 
anyway, um, but it's, it's instead of the artist, it's a tiger. Oh. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Um, but Lamanasura is, uh, I'm pretty much growing out of them, which is a real shame, because I don't know of any adult brand that uh, makes the same kind of cool stuff that Lamanasura does. But I found out that they may or may not be uh, doing some things for me uh, and for uh, in larger sizes. <gasps> Well, you know, I actually did include that in my feature piece on you. Did you? I did. I I promised you I would I would put in there that they needed to keep making clothes for you. Thank you. I I think I you probably had a great effect on it. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I know the CEO keeps uh, keeps some seriously heavy Google alerts on uh, on me and on her brand, so. I definitely think it may or may not have had an effect. So I, I think you should take that and run with it. Well, I, I will continue to do that, my friend. But no, for anybody out there, La Miniatura, if you ever see Joshua on a red carpet or if you just run into him biking around town or doing something, I got to tell you, their clothes are fabulous. And their clothes, they look grown up, but they don't look too adult. There's still like a kid vibe to them. But and jo- but I have to say, Joshua always looks perfect in the clothes and comfortable in the clothes. Oh well, I, I it's been it's been a long hard road to find some clothes that fit me quite well, perfectly that fit my style and my look. But Mama Nature has done it quite well. And the fact that they are comfortable for those long days working. I mean, yeah, it's true. It's it's hard under the hot lights on a carpet. I know it sounds like a really seriously first world problem, but it's. You know, you got to be comfortable. Well, and anybody that has ever been on a red carpet, it is very taxing. It is very long. And when you're doing Disney carpets, I know this for a fact, they are not short carpets. They are definitely not. I, I did Beauty and the Beast a while ago. That thing felt like it was a mile long. But I, <laughs> I had so much fun. You know, and did you have you gone back to see Beauty and the Beast after the premiere? I didn't. You know, I... I really liked it, and I kind of wanted to keep it in the moment, you know? Like, there's something magical about getting to see it at El Capitan. Uh, it was gorgeous, and, like, everyone in suits and looking nice. There's something that felt very Beauty and the Beast about the way that I saw Beauty and the Beast. So I, uh, I kind of wanted to keep it in the magic. So what? where do you want to see yourself going now? You've got Andy Mack going. Fingers crossed we get a season two. I, I, my fingers and my toes and all those on the cats are crossed as well. So I got you covered. But, you uh, know, but what else do you want to do? Do you want to branch out more with live action? Obviously, you want to pick up more voice work because, just because. But well, do you, of course. I, I love doing the voice work. That stuff is fun. Um, but, I mean, for now, my near future is, uh, is Andy Mack. Uh, and I'm working on my schoolwork. I'm going to go to college. I want to go to a, uh, an Ivy League or top ten school. Um, I definitely, I, I, I might be, I might be working in this field, but who knows where I'll be in ten years? And maybe I'll be planning my first run for office. Oh my God. Oh my. Oh my, Joshua. Would you start with our local city council by any chance? I don't know. I'll tell you. I. I I might, uh, I might jump to, uh, to like the state legislature. My. Well, now. I I, I can stick around in Sacramento, though. I do love it down here. (laughs) You know, I've got to ask you. I have to ask you though. Um, you know, would okay now? Now you just made me forget. I'm thinking of Joshua as a politician, and my mind just went blank. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, seriously. Um, because you are now homeschooling. Does this let you fast track your education? It lets me not have a summer break. I know that from my parents because uh, I am taking I'm taking college classes over the summer, which will mean that I won't have an English class next year um, during the school year, which will mean that I have more time to you know like enjoy myself uh, and maybe even. Go go and uh, intern at a at a politician's office or something like that, at a campaign. 
So there, there is that definitely going on. I think one day a week, I, if I have the opportunity, I would totally do that. Wow. Wow. You know, you should even, you know, start, you know, with local campaigns, work on a campaign. Without a doubt, definitely. Yeah. So now, before, before I let you go, my friend, why? Tell everybody why they should see Andy Mack. It's different. It's, it's different. It's not your average Disney Channel show. I think a lot of people hear the word Disney Channel, and uh, it, it doesn't excite them. I think uh, Andy Mack is different. It's very real. It's very exciting, and I think people are really going to love it. Well, you know I already love it. I think it's a great show for the entire family. Um, it's not dumbed down. It's very well done. Production values are high. The performances are great. And the cast is absolutely outstanding. Thank you so much. Well, my friend, this has been an absolute joy, as always, to talk to you. As always, a lovely day. Well, I will see you soon, running around town, I'm sure. Without a doubt, I'll stop by your office. Okay, you can actually do that. And actually what I'll do is I'll, I'll glom some and put some newspapers aside for you so that you have um, print copies of the latest issue. Thank you. You're welcome. I will talk to you soon, Joshua. Thank you so much. And everybody, tune in to Andy Mack. Yes, tune in to Andy Mack, Fridays at 8.30. On Disney, Disney. Channel. Yes? Indeed. All righty. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, Josh. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was the fabulous Joshua Rush talking Andy Mack, The Lion Guard, La Miniatura, all our favorite stuff. So, um, Brian, do we have time to go back to that uh, clip on restoration? Uh, at this point, no, no. no. Okay, then we'll save that for next week. But we can play uh, to add or not to add restorations. No, let's let's hold off on that one. Okay. Let's hold off on that one. You and I can just chit-chat for the last two minutes of the show. Yeah, of course. Um, how old is that kid? Joshua? Uh, Would you know? I think if, he... I, gosh, I think Josh is... What is he now, 14? Because what an articulate child. Joshua is truly... He is not only one of my favorite young actors, but he is one of my favorite young people. Yeah, I, I apologize, Joshua, if you're tuning in and, and I'm calling you a child. I'm just I'm I'm ten years your elder, so I'm not even that old, but I could tell you at fourteen years old I wasn't speaking such beautiful language as you are. Even today I can't articulate the way that he was. Oh, he is he is so well spoken and it is it's such a treat. It is such a treat. And, you know, his parents' education is paramount. Oh, yeah. You know, so, and he just started, uh, he switched from going to regular school, going to homeschool within the past year because of his work schedule. Of course, yeah. I mean, that happens with most actors. They just go into, into private school, but, not private uh, school. you know, it was when we sat down and did an interview last month up at Disney uh, about the show, and he was saying what's great about homeschooling is he can go nocturnal. So if he wants to stay up at night, he can study at night. You know, and you know what? What uh, here, real quickly, with, with the school system, I didn't thrive in school in the school system between you know uh, kindergarten to to senior year because it was all during the morning. But now that I'm taking classes at night uh -huh. in college, I'm doing so much better. And I think we should we should be given that option whether we want to learn. Well, during the daytime and the or thing night. is also at night you have less distractions than in the daytime. I think. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's not as hot, especially during the summer times. Well, not even not as hot, but. When you're in class during the daytime, you are, you know, you have the distractions of everything going on outside, looking out the windows, but at night it's dark. Yeah. So, you know, who who cares? And, ah, darn, no. His birthday isn't listed here, so. But I think he said, I was just double checking Joshua's birthday. But he is somewhere right around there. Has to be 14. It's something like that. But he is, he is a gem. He is a gem. I adore Joshua. And again, everybody should see Andy Mack because it is just, it is such a fun show and is just so well done. And of course, you've got Terry Minsky, who's creating and producing and writing. She was responsible for Lizzie McGuire. 
and Michelle Manning. She brought us all the Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Adventures in Babysitting. You meld these two women together and what they brought in the 80s and 90s. Andy Mack is now their 21st century baby. So that is it. That's all the time we have. Yes? Yes. Brian's nodding his head. He nods his head well for radio. Well, so that is it for today. Next week, we are going to have three fantastic directors joining us live. Uh, talking about uh, Grey Lady for one. And Danger Close, another film. And we'll get back to talking about restoration and preservation of Cinerama films. Until then, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens.